but music means one thing, possibly. Uh, <laughs> the reason why, possibly, is uh, it's time for On The Mark, powered by Booster Juice. Download the new Booster Juice Rewards app today to start earning berry points for delicious and nutritional smoothies, drinks, and food that will get you through the day as we welcome in on the market. And the, the reason I said possibly, because Specs out on the West Coast is 7 o'clock there, and, you know, back in the day, Spec, maybe would you have, you know, had a nice dinner out there last night? How did things go? Like, just kind of run through things. Uh, you know, the Duke here worked 75 hours straight yesterday, but did you have to do that? I had a busy day yesterday. Yeah. I was up early. Uh, got a, picked up a passport, went to practice, <laughs> wrote a piece, got in the plane, came here, uh, watched some hockey last night. You can't not no. watch uh, Connor Bedard's NHL debut if you're supposed to be an NHL writer. So yeah. I was sitting in a chair at a little establishment around here having a bite to eat and a cold beer at uh, – I think that game started at about five o'clock. I missed. I yeah. watched the first half hour of my room, but I think I was fairly prompt here to uh, watch about most of three games last night. Did you make it all the way through the uh, Vegas Seattle game? Uh, I was back in my room, turned it off when it became. I think there's about eight minutes left yeah. in it when I uh, called it a day. Did it, did they make it three nothing at that point? Uh, you know what? I'm 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 gonna have to check on that exactly because it was two nothing. <laughs> I I went to bed at two nothing as well. So uh, you can only take so much. I think of the Vegas pomp and circumstance there. I mean, they go pretty wild. I mean, we saw enough of it in the playoffs last year. I, di- I didn't need to see it go bananas on game one with them, uh, you know, raising the banner out of the slot machine and everything like that. Man, oh, man. Uh, so what did you make of Connor Bedard last night then? Well, very, uh, you know, good, but uh, uh, he'll get better. How about that? He, I saw moments of, uh, you know, I saw moments where he looked like the Connor Bedard we've seen in all the highlight reels. Uh, and then I saw a kid that was – that was playing, you know, dumping a puck in uh, because he didn't want to be the guy that made the mistake and have a go the other way, which mm-hmm. is smart. I saw a kid who's got a wrist. He's got the great wrist shot. And he did throw a couple at the net through traffic that got stopped or, or hit somebody. I can see where there's going to be nights, you know, where he has more luck and that wrist shot finds its way through the crowd and goes in. He's not afraid to fire off a 40-foot wrist shot through traffic because I think in his history, a lot of times it goes through the traffic and ends up in the net. I think, well, we didn't see that at the NHL level last night, but we will, don't worry. Yeah, so he had 11 attempts last night, had yeah. five shots on goal, so uh, picked up the one assist, and he had the uh, hat trick of interviews. Have you ever uh, seen that before? Yeah, oh, hey, listen, <laughs> the, the, I don't know if you saw the picture uh, on Twitter of his morning skate scrum. Uh, I mean, that show last night that we watched was just 100% the Connor Bedard mm-hmm. show. You know, they uh, they had the little um, denotation, his his name above him when he was on the ice as if, you know, for people who weren't sure who 98 was. <laughs> so, hey, listen, that, that's how you break into the league. It, you know what I noticed, Kev? Mm-hmm. The difference between um, Connor McDavid's first NHL game and Connor Bedard's first NHL game. I mean, it was night and day. Uh, the league's come a long way. He's in a much larger market. And uh, Connor McDavid didn't get all that hype in his first game. I guarantee you that. You know, we had David Amber on uh, from Rogers Sportsnet at 720 spec. And that's one of the things that he said. He was even going back to uh, Austin Matthews' first game and scored four goals. 
And Lou Lamorello says, no, no, no rookies talk on the first day or whatever like that. Like, come on, give me a break, right? And David, David's going, well, what are we supposed to do here? So the league has come a long way. And I think, again, I think your point is well taken, Spec, the fact that he's in Chicago. Um, he's not in a, a smaller market, wherever that may be, whatever you want to say that. So uh, I think uh, moving forward, I don't think it's going to be three interviews at night after first, second, and the end of the game. He, but he's going to be insulated a little bit, uh, but not to the extent of uh, many guys were back in the day. So uh, did you get a little, any intel last night uh, on what's going to shake down as far as the uh, kind of Oilers roster goes today and in particular who starts in goal tonight in Vancouver no I mean I would I can't say that I did how, how did you gauge what happened at practice yesterday well it's a road game <laughs> yeah. it's a road game so the fact Skinner was in the home net does that tell you he's going to play or does it tell you he's not going to play I don't know mm-hmm you know, I, I watched when the drill started, Campbell took the first – they were sharing a net, and Campbell took the first reps. Does that mean anything? I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we're – this morning at the morning skate, we're going to find out. You're going to see who's in the starter's net here, the visitor's net in Vancouver. Yeah. We're going to know for sure. Uh, I did happen to run into, it as a bunch of media guys did, Ken Holland, Adam Ernie, and Rich Winter – all having a little conversation. They had very much the looks of some guys who had just come down from Ken Holland's office. Mm -hmm. So my suggestion would be, and and, uh, this is no great scoop, they got to get Ernie's name in a contract, but I don't think they'll announce it until Niemalainen is um, able to be sent down. Now, he's practiced with the team yesterday, looked healthy enough to go through a full practice. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me if before this thing happened tonight, uh, you know, depending on all the roster machinations and the cap and all that, if yeah. they found a way to get Ernie in and, and Nima Linen out, you probably don't need eight defensemen and 11 forwards. Uh, that's certainly the next move on the docket here is to is to get in the 12th forward and move out the 8th defenseman. And the 8th defenseman is definitely Niemalainen. Yeah, and they can't do that in, unless he gets sent down, correct? Like just to make the, the addition with Ernie's contract. Was basically, it's right. going to be the same thing, correct? I believe so. Yeah, I mean, they they, they can't put Ernie on the roster until they clear off the commensurate amount of cap room to put him on the roster, and that means Nemo has to go down. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Spec, what about uh, the other guys that everyone's been talking about as far as um, health goes? Matthias Ekholm, uh, Ryan McLeod, and I guess now Brett Kulak. Yeah, uh, just to my eye watching practice yesterday, uh, if I had to make a guess for you here, and I will, uh, to me, McLeod's ready to go, practiced hard, part of a normal line to me Kulak's ready to go uh he you know they had eight defensemen so they were kind of moving guys around but he spent a lot of time with CC yesterday um I think he looks like he's ready to play for sure and Ekholm to me is the only question mark he he practiced hard I saw him when he came off the ice he was a little winded which happens when you haven't practiced with the team very much I'm not suggesting he's not in shape or anything like that but there's there's every player I've ever talked to says there's a difference between working out before practice with three guys or two guys and working out with the team. So he was out there going hard. Is he going to be ready? I would think the coach would ask him mm-hmm. if he feels like he's ready. He probably would be part of a seven defenseman rotation. So maybe you could back off the minutes on Ekholm if he plays tonight. That's probably my prediction is he'll come in, but he'll play 
14 minutes, 13 minutes okay, fair. Uh, tonight as part of a, a 7D system. That was that would be my guess. It's injuries, Kev, so it's all you get is a guess here. No one knows the facts except for the training staff and the coach. Mark Spector is with us out in the West Coast uh, on Sports 1440. Oilers take on uh, the Canucks uh, tonight, 8 Oh, well, call it 8 10 puck drop. It could be, who knows, it could be a couple minutes later how they want to stagger these games, etc. Uh, I was kind of surprised uh, when you get the game notes and we look at them and that this is only the 11th road game in uh, Oilers team history. Um, for the most part, they've uh, opened up the season uh, at home. So they have been 3-6-1 uh, and one if matters probably nothing but uh i thought just over since 1979 the fact with you know franchise it's been around 44 years coming up that they've only had 10 road games uh, uh yeah. what about uh how many minutes and if you're if you're gonna peg uh, 13 minutes or so 14 minutes for ekholm what, what do you see for for nurse and bouchard tonight tons yeah they're your 24 minute guys for sure um because you know we know how much Nurse plays at even strength and on the penalty kill, and it means on the second power play unit, which sometimes gets no time. And we also know how much time Bouchard gets. He plays the whole power play. So between the two of their special teams efforts and the amount they're going to play at special uh, five on five, those are that's your top pair. They're going to play 25, 24, 25 minutes. Um, you know, I've been on the record. I, I saying I don't love, I don't like. 11 and 7. Okay. I get why the coach has to do it a lot. When you have a 21 man roster that's going to be part of the deal, I understand it. Um, you know, when you only have 12 forwards, if you want to maybe hold one of them accountable, what do you do? You know, you got to go to 11 and 7. When you have one injury, you got to go to 11 and 7. I get it. Like, I understand yeah. Woodcroft's the spot he's in, but what you see in 11 and 7 is you see one defenseman who barely plays. And and I don't see a guy on the roster that is going to be well served by playing four minutes a night here. So they'll play a probably 11-7 tonight. Let's see. But let's hope we don't see a steady diet of 11-7, Kev. I don't like so, it much. So you don't like it much. Can you kind of expand on that in, in the sense, too, that it does give Jay Woodcroft options? He did employ it a lot. Uh, last year and then even you know when he came up in February the year prior so what is it about it that you don't uh, it doesn't fit your fancy well there's two things it, on the on the back end no defenseman likes playing 11 and 7 and what we saw last year was Broberg playing three four minutes a night on a lot of occasions the guy the seventh guy the minute the game gets tight he hasn't played enough the coach loses confidence in him he, he falls through the cracks he never plays. So I don't like any system that has a, a young kid at seventh defenseman playing four minutes. To me, you're wasting the kid's time. On forward, you start the game with two orphan wingers. And I get it. Let's say it's going to be Janmark and Ryan. They're both penalty killers. So that's good. They'll PK. Well, what if there's only – what if you don't take any penalties? Right? What if there's no penalties? Well, now you got to find those guys some ice time. So now you're running McDavid more. You're running dry saddle more through that fourth, two fourth wingers. And what you don't have is a proper fourth line, right? What this team needs, in my opinion, and it's needed for years, is a group of 12 forwards with four proper lines that buy in in the bottom six. Vegas beat you last year because they had four lines. Their bottom six was committed. They had a role. The team trusted them. They played a whole bunch, and they beat the Edmonton Oilers using that system. The Oilers are going with three lines and two wingers who play sometimes, right? And what's their role, Kev? 
Well, let's see. My role is one thing when we've got McDavid with us. My role is another when we've got McLeod with us. Who are we and how do we help the team? Uh, I don't like it. I understand it, but I don't like it. Well, let's play devil's advocate then. Uh, so what would you rather face on the, uh, you know, would you rather face Janmark, Ryan, and Adam Ernie, or every third shift it would be McDavid, Dreisaitl, and let's just say Nuge that flip-flops in between those two guys. I just think with the way the, the, the game is now, as far as penalties go, and the PK unit, uh, it makes sense, but it doesn't make sense all the time. I just think a coach needs options, and what it does, in my in my opinion, spec, what it does is it pushes the other guys to say, I don't want to be on that. I don't. I, I want to have a, a fourth line. So it's that, it's that those guys on the bottom three that, that are pushing in the sense that they can maybe say, hey, I don't want to be down here, and I want to push the third line. I've always said that, that to have that upward pressure – uh, is critical for team success because no one wants to be on the fourth line. No one wants to be on the third line. If you're the third line and you're pushing, that's what that's the difference now. Is now they have six guys on the number one and two lines that have the ability to be cohesive for most of the year here. I don't know. Yeah, that's sure. There's always going to be a chance in any lineup. If 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 I'm on the second line and you're in the third, I'm not playing very good. You should replace me. I get that mm-hmm. for sure. But I, I, what I also value for uh, uh, for playoff teams and teams that are going to go the uh, distance, I value what a fourth line brings to the table. Yeah. I value the fact that that line goes out and grinds and can take on the first line of the other team if they have to and frustrate them and check them. Every line doesn't go out there to score a bunch of goals. It's yeah. not always about, hey, let's put McDavid with Yanmark and he'll score. Instead of scoring 10 goals in a season, he might score 12. Who cares, okay. right? I want Janmark and Ryan and my centerman down there to, uh, you know, let's say it's Ernie. I want that line to get the same identity that the Vegas fourth line had last year, right? That when they came over the boards, they were a problem for Edmonton. And they did. They even scored their share. You know, the, the, as long as you're running a top centerman on his second shift, through those two fourth line wingers, that line has no identity. It's not what I consider a winning fourth line. It's just McDavid getting a little extra ice time with a couple of guys who are less likely to score than the guys he usually plays with. So I don't get it. McDavid gets his ice time. He doesn't need more. What this <laughs> team needs is a depth group of guys that can be productive in their own roles and not always going back to 29 and 97. And oh boy, we're down by a goal. Throw out the superstars. They need to have some other guys contribute, and that's how you do it. That's why this is such a good conversation with you, Spec. little back and forth, correct? Yep. Wow. So, What about I, the Canucks? What's it, going on out there well, with I don't Garland? know. Well, I just, I mean, I think, as we said, Quinn Hughes wins the Norris. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit for the Canucks. Are you? Whole, they're starting their season on a negative note out here. Everyone's talking about Connor Garland walking yeah. out of town. The Canucks have been trying to trade this guy for a long time, and they can't because he's small and he makes five million bucks, and he's a not that product. You know, he's a forty-five point guy making five million bucks. It's hard to trade him. And the news breaks yesterday with Elliot Friedman that you know he wants out, and they've been trying to trade him. And he's at practice yesterday, getting inundated with reporters, and he's got a, He's not going to lie and say, "Oh, I love it here. I want to stay." Of course, he wants out if that's what he wants. So. 
They're starting the season here with more drama. There's been no more dramatic franchise in Western Canada than the Vancouver Canucks. They were finally having a quiet camp, and on the mm-hmm. eve of the opener, this stuff breaks, Kev. Well, but, I mean, if you're going to trade this guy, aren't you going to have to retain at least half the salary? Hey, I agree with you. Like, I think uh, I don't even blame the player here, right? The Canucks mm-hmm. have had a long time to make this transaction. And I get it. It's pretty hard to trade a $5 million player that, that scores 20 goals and and 48 points, like, and is five foot nine and 160 pounds. It's a hard trade to make. But by not moving that player, the Canucks kept this flame alive that this story was going to break. And here it breaks on the on the eve of the opener. So sure you got to retain. Mm-hmm. Sure you got to take back someone's problem. You got to do something. But the Canucks got to get rid of the drama around this team because it ain't working here. It's been the most drama-filled storyline team off the ice for the last six or seven years. And we all know what's been going on in Vancouver in terms of wins and losses. There haven't been enough wins. Well, they have some bad contracts. I mean, three more years of Garland. Uh, JT Miller's locked up. I mean, yeah, it's $8 million, but he's locked up forever. So. At least he's a good player. Well, right? I mean... He's, he's a good player. Uh, to he me, though, he's not, he's not in that echelon where he's your... Till the end of the decade, he's lined up as your your top player. He's not okay. Sure, sure, right? fair enough. But so, we'll like I, I'm anyway. Listen, they, you're right. They got a couple bad contracts. They've got you know, they moved OEL's uh, contract mm-hmm. out of here, which was a big move. But they paid the price to do it. You know, so uh, there's a reason that you missed the playoffs and that you've trundled along as long as the Canucks have. I don't need to tell Oilers fans how many dumb decisions got made during the decade of darkness. There's yeah. lots of them. Well, and lots of bad contracts. I, so yeah, and OEL is the, the, he's uh, they're buying him out for buyout history for another five six years. Yeah. So I mean, like you said, lots of bad contracts. Uh, so any you got a prediction for tonight's spec? Well, I think the Oilers are. I mean, I'm going to pick Edmonton to win because they're a way better team. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you what. I'm not a better, but I've always said never bet home openers. Because they're emotional nights, you know. Did you have Chicago walking no. into last night? Yeah, right. Not a no, chance. Not a chance. Uh, I've seen teams raise Stanley Cup banners and and lose five one, and they say, "Ah, it was too much emotion." And then you see a game like last night in Vegas where they beat Seattle for fun. So who knows what happens in home opener for Vancouver tonight? But how can you not pick the hundred nine point team from last year that probably is better? Yeah over the team that didn't make the playoffs last year, you got to pick Edmonton to win. And having said that, last night Seattle was by far the better team for the first 10, 11 minutes. By far. They had a really good start, didn't yeah. score. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and then sure. Vegas woke up and <laughs> and beat them up the rest of the way. That place is just crazy. It goes just It is. It's a lot of building. For those fans out there, oh. if you're looking for a place to see a, your Oilers play, you know, there's a few places around the league. Yeah. Vegas is one of them. I mean, I'd go watch Edmonton play in Nashville. I'd watch him play in Montreal, and I'd watch him play in Vegas because that's a fun building to be in. Well, in Nashville, for me, I don't remember a lot of the game specs, so that's the way it went. Yeah, well, <laughs> moderation, Kevin. Moderation. Yeah. Sleep is the enemy. <laughs> okay, thanks, Beck. Enjoy the game tonight. We'll uh, talk to you tomorrow and get a full ride. What When are you coming back tomorrow? What's the schedule? Uh, I'll be, I won't be on a plane, so I'll be fine. I'll fly till 9.30 or something okay. here, so I'll All right. be able to do this, no problem. We'll talk to you in the morning. Thanks, Beck. All right. That's uh, On The Mark, uh, energized by Booster Juice. Uh, get the boost you need 
at Booster Juice. Uh, coming up, we've got some open time with the Duke. Uh, and then at 8.40, G. Roy Simon will guest with us, uh, Assistant General Manager of the Edmonton Elks. Uh, David Schlemko at the top of the hour, uh, our co-host from 9 to 11. Still a whole whack more to come here on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Uh, a little of the who. The Duke brings in the who. I mean, wasn't every... How many CSI shows were there, Duke, that had the who as the intro music or whatever? Pretty well every one of them. Well, the three that I know for sure, the original, Miami, and then New York. Were those yeah. the only... Did they make more beyond that? Those are the only three I'm aware of. Between C- CSI and NCIS, <laughs> there's 8,000 shows. They were on every every night for about eight hours straight. <laughs> Uh, text coming in. Uh, hey, are you going to be, this comes from SKS. Are you going to be at Century Casino Sports Bar on Saturday? Yes, we are. Uh, so after tonight and the Oilers uh, season opener, the home opener is Saturday. And the Duke and I will be at Century Casino on uh, Fort Road, 13103 Fort Road. So come on down and have a little chit chat with us starting about uh, 8 o'clock or so. We'll probably be there a few minutes before, but uh, the Duke and I will be uh, there as the Oilers take on Vancouver. we got tons of prizes uh, for you to win. The coolest one is the uh, Edmonton Zamboni Cooler. Uh, I believe this thing kind of drives around and just basically takes the beer to you if you want. Uh, go to sports1440.ca for more information. So that's coming up this Saturday at uh, Century Casino Sports Bar on Fort Road. So looking forward to that. Um, you know, a couple of guys have been sending in texts regarding uh, uh, Connor Bedard and whatever. So, gents, uh, this comes from Metal Arc PWB. Uh, gents, long-time listener since, uh, well, basically since we started here, I guess. So we've been on for a little over a month, I guess, Duke. So uh, great work by all of there. Did you catch the split screen of Ray Ferraro and uh, Connor Bedard goal totals from Junior? Uh, imagine the Ferraro hype under the same media microscope of today. Uh, and yes, the the Duke uh, replied to you. Uh, people honestly forgot or forget how insane Ray was in junior hockey. So that was kind of back in my era. Uh, Ray Ferraro was in Brandon. And it's hard to believe that the Wheat Kings in that year, in 1984, um, didn't have a better playoff. How's that sound? I believe back in the day they did sort of a, a play-in kind of thing, and then they had a round-robin system. Uh, it didn't make a lot of sense for a lot of people back, I shouldn't say a play-in, sort of a qualification. So they had some uh, teams kind of play shorter series, and then they had a round-robin uh, between certain teams. And Brandon didn't do well in that round-robin, if I recall correctly. But, I mean... Ray Ferraro had 108 goals, uh, 84 assists for 192 points. And, uh, I mean, back then, the Western League back then, that was, uh, in my opinion, kind of the heyday. I was about 17, 18 years old and just wished a guy could go to a game because, you know, Ray Ferraro was in Brandon. The Raiders were smoking hot at the time because they were just coming up from Tier 2 to Tier 1. They had all those guys like Danny Hodgson and and uh, um, Dave Pacine. Uh, they had uh, Dave Manson was just coming up as a young, young player. Uh, but Brandon was just lights out. Um, they had unbelievable players. The Pats had 
Dale Durkach back in the day. So just phenomenal players that were offensively gifted um, back in those days, in the early 80s to mid-80s in the uh, Western League. It wasn't a lot of fun to be a goaltender. I think the goalie for the, the Wheat Kings was uh, Ronnie Hextall. But, I mean, even like like Dean Evison, Dean Evison for Kamloops, only 137 points. He finished, I'm just looking, one, two, three, four, five. He finished sixth in league scoring with 137 points. Chopper, Mark Lamb, Medicine Hat Tigers, 136 points. Man, Dave Pacine, just talked to him about him, just punching up the stats from that year, 122 points. Those guys, 68 goals. I mean, if you didn't have, uh, Dale Durkacz had 72 goals. Man, those guys were unbelievable at the time. Uh, text line, one 833-401-1440. Uh, Duke, have you got that uh, the audio from uh, Zach Hyman yesterday? I do, yeah. Okay. We got uh, a brief clip of uh, Hyman answering some questions yesterday uh, heading into season opener tonight. All right, here's Zach Hyman. Well, Zach, uh, another year, uh, obviously still exciting at this time, but just kind of feel just a maybe a different feel even this year from last year for your group as you head into the season. Not that you weren't focused, but just eye on the prize seems pretty uh, more intense. Yeah, um, I think it's a focus just to kind of take things day by day. Obviously, there's a lot of uh, expectations on the group with uh, you know, the majority of our roster coming back and. Um, where we are as a team and where we want to be but uh, I think it starts tomorrow and we're excited uh, after a long camp to, to get after it. Do you think there's an advantage having so many guys back understand the system? A few years ago you came in here, does mm-hmm. it take time to get cohesiveness? Yeah, it definitely takes time. It's nice to have uh, a group that's familiar with each other. Uh, it kind of feels like we haven't left really. Um, so it's great and the, and the pieces we've added obviously have, have fit in uh, pretty seamlessly. Connor's been talking often about kind of the margins defensively. If you can just find a little bit more here and there, how much of a difference that can make. You know, when he sort of sets that example as the most offensive guy around, mm. how does that trickle through the group? Yeah, it definitely trickles. Um, we're definitely a team that that has offensive abilities, and um, it's always been a strength of, of this team. So uh, we've focused on shoring up the defensive side, and, and if it comes from... You know, the guy who is a perennial heart winner and leads the league and scoring every year, if he's the one leading the charge on that, I think it's pretty easy to follow suit. Is it uh, difficult or you have to make sure to put, I don't know if you can put less pressure on yourself, but, you know, lots of people think this is a team that could or should win mm-hmm. the Stanley Cup, but it is October. Uh, how do you kind of manage that potential pressure? Yeah, you don't win the Stanley Cup overnight. Uh, as much as everybody's focused on that, it, it takes a long journey, and you got to put yourself in, in the best position to to do that. And, and you have to build confidence throughout the year in your team and your group. And and uh, it starts on day one, and it's a day by day mindset. So it's a, it's a long season, and you just take it day by day. And uh, we're excited that it starts tomorrow. Bigger picture here, Zach. The NHL is made it known that pride tape is not something players have the option of using mm-hmm. anymore in warm-up or you know certainly in games and that sort of thing. Um, what do you make of, of that decision to not make that an option for you guys anymore, even if you wanted to? Yeah, I think it's pretty clear where, where I personally stand on on pride and and the issues surrounding it, which is crazy. But um, I would say that it's a league-mandated 
thing. It's you know not exclusive to Pride. There's going to be other things. We can't we can't really do anything. We can't put any tape on our stick or all the jerseys. I think are gone and things like that. So it's out of uh, our hands. I know personally, I, I enjoyed you know wearing the Pride jersey, you know, or the, the Pride tape and military jersey, and uh, we had a Willie O'Ree night, uh, Indigenous night, all those. Uh, great things that we support you know we'll be able to support them individually but um, collectively that's that's not going to be that's out of the players control so uh, disappointing but uh, um, out of our control obviously that's Zach Hyman of the Oilers and uh, Ryan Rashog with that last question on um, pride tape which was kind of a a bit of a talking subject yesterday. Um, Brian Burke has come out um, today with a comment, a statement. Uh, Brian Burke says, this decision has stripped clubs of a powerful community outreach tool and removed meaningful support for special initiatives, all to protect a select few who do not want to answer any questions about their choices. I hope the NHL reconsiders in order to uh, remain a leader. In his um, kind of a statement... uh, on social media, uh, Burke, who obviously is a big proponent of of, of Pride Tape for sure and, and, and everything, uh, very deeply disappointed in the NHL's decision to ban on-ice support for community causes. I've worked in a variety of NHL markets over the last 35 years, have always made a priority for my teams to commit substantial time, energy, and resources to engage and support local organizations and causes. Uh, he goes on to say, make no mistake, this is... A surprising and serious setback. I've spoken to many who are heartbroken, angry, and disappointed by this uh, decision. If you are a member of one of the communities who have been celebrated as part of the Hockey is for Everyone initiative, please know that you are still a valued member of the hockey community. Um, It's a longer statement. I'm not going to read it all, but uh, Brian Burke uh, weighed in on it uh, this morning. And uh, that basically came out yesterday. Yesterday. I know it was talked about a lot on our, our programs yesterday. Um, it's a very, very uh, serious and, and subject for sure. So I don't know. We'll see where the NHL goes with this. Uh, they've had a lot of backlash about it over in the last uh, 24 hours. Uh, just a couple of uh, texts regarding uh, coming in and things like that. Um, 188, sorry, 1833401440. Uh, you know what's funny when you go to like every rink today, everyone's going to ask the players about Connor Bedard. What did what did you think of Connor Bedard last night? Uh, John Tavares caught a couple of periods of Connor Bedard's NHL debut last night, according to Chris Johnston of Bedard. He says the way he carries himself is extremely impressive. It reminds me of Sid Crosby. Interesting, very interesting. Uh, coming up at eight forty, we will check in with. Uh, Edmonton Elks, assistant GM, G. Roy Simon, and uh, we'll kind of throw the elevate your game into this segment because the Elks have to try to elevate their game in the final few games of the regular season to see if they can kind of maybe make a push, make, you know, you're winning jobs, you're playing for your job, you want to impress the coaching staff for next year, uh, things like that. So when we come back, uh, uh, Edmonton Elks, uh, assistant GM, G. Roy Simon on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. 
All right, welcome back to the big program. Uh, let's elevate your game. Brought to you by Ram Elevators and Lifts, Forbes' best-rated residential elevators manufactured right here in Edmonton. Visit TrustRam.com for more information as we welcome in uh, Edmonton Elks assistant GM, G-Roy Simon, to ask him how the Elks can elevate their game uh, for these last two games, uh, G-Roy, to kind of go out on a positive note. Welcome to the show again, G-Roy. How are you? I'm great. How's it going? Going great. So just on that context, G-Roy, um, how can this team elevate its game for the final two games of the regular season to kind of go out on a positive note here? Well, I mean, we, we have we, we, we have a young team. We have guys who are still excited to, you know, to get an opportunity to, to go out and play each and every week. So, you know, we're treating these last two games like almost like a playoff game, um, like playoff games because, you know, obviously we're not in the playoffs, but we, we want to um, keep the intensity high. We want to, you know, get reps for our young guys who, who continue to, uh, to, to ki- continue to develop and, and, and play hard. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, you know, we're, we're going to treat this as, as, as uh, a stepping stone going into the offseason and, and into next season. G. Roy Simons, our guest on Sports 1440 as the Elks take on the Montreal Alouettes, 2 o'clock kickoff at Commonwealth Stadium on Saturday, the last uh, home game. So, um, Montreal, we had uh, Danny Machocci on in the uh, 7 o'clock hour uh, just to talk about the Alouettes, uh, G. Roy. So, he kind of used the word um, peaking for his football team. Uh, what kind of challenges do the Alouettes uh, present for your team on Saturday? Well, the, you know, Montreal is a, a very good team. They, you know, they're doing a good job out there in and uh, in the East. And um, you know, they're you know they're 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 a good team. They're vet they're veteran laden, and um, you know they're gearing up to go into the playoffs. But you know, regardless of that, we feel confident going into the game. We feel that you know we match up well against them, and and you know our our youth and speed and size. Um, can can give them problems. I mean, we're we're looking forward to to going out and playing Saturday afternoon and 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 getting a win. For sure. Um, so, what did you take from the last game in Toronto? I mean, the Argonauts have a heck of a football team. Um, is, was there a part of your game that you you liked a little bit, uh, even though it was the, you know the score didn't come out the way you wanted? But uh, what what did you see last week in in Toronto that you can take forward on a positive note uh, into Montreal? Yeah, Toronto's a very good team. They're coached very well, and, and they don't make mistakes. I mean, that's that's you know the, the the signs of a championship team. They you know they're they're you know they just do a good job overall. Um, you know, we felt we we played hard. Our guys, you know, they played hard to the end. I mean, obviously we made mistakes and and, and interceptions, um, but at you know at, mo- at moments they're they're you know we we played well against them, um, but you know our youth showed in the end. Um, we have to we have to continue to keep to to keep taking steps to get better, um, minimize the mistakes and 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 play to a level of uh, of excellence that that they do as well that that they do so mm-hmm. we can we can match their intensity. Um, you know, going into this week, I mean it's 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 going to be a different. I think it's going to be a different game. I'm, I'm, I don't know that Montreal is on the level of, of Toronto, so. Um, and, and again, I think we match up well with them. So we're looking again. We're looking forward to to getting out there Saturday afternoon and, and getting that bad taste out of our mouths and, and and getting a win. G. Roy Simons, our guest on the Kevin Carrier Show on Sports uh, fourteen forty eight forty three in the Capital Region. So, um, being a former CFL great receiver, G. Roy, what did you make of the Elks receiving core? 
this year, um, still growing. You mentioned a lot of young guys, uh, but where do you see this kind of group moving forward? Um, you know, I thought I thought we played well at times. Um, you know, we I think we have a very talented group, but you know, we struggled early with 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 the offense and and you know the quarterback position. Um, and then you know that wasn't all on the quarterback. There was you know there was there was there were outside forces that you know that you know they didn't play well. Um, you know, so it was it was a combination of things. Um, we just have to continue to get better. Um, you know, these guys got to really, you know, you know, take these last two games and, 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 and play hard and finish out the year. But then they also have to look in the mirror and say, you know, they give us every opportunity to, you know, to be the best that we can be. Um, and until, the, until guys, you know, do that and take, take ownership of their own play, um, you, know, we're, we're, you know, we'll be kind of in the same positions. But I think, I think we have great leadership on this team. I think um, the guys that are in position – uh, we'll 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 take the initiative and 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 do a better job this off season and and come together and and, mm-hmm. and you know come together to, to you know to have a winning season next year. G. Roy Simons, our guest on Sports fourteen forty. Uh, when you talk about and look at quarterback Trey Ford, um, where did you see his growth this year uh, from when he came in? Uh, you know, after you know watching the first uh, several games, uh, where has has he kind of uh, improved? Where what does he need to improve on moving forward? Well, you know, being being a, a player from youth sport, um, you know, and, and coming into the draft, we, you know, we really don't expect a lot from these guys right away. Um, to you know, for Trey to, you know, to to play uh, as much as he has in the first two years is a bonus, um, and it's a it's a it's a development process. You know, especially as a quarterback coming from youth mm-hmm. sport, you know, you really don't expect him to, you know, to be to be effective, but. For, for him to you know to win a couple games last year and then uh, again this year winning four games uh, and, and and seven starts is actually you know a, a, a very good sign that that he's developing and he's taking the proper steps necessary to you know take us to 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 be in a championship team now he he's got a lot of work to do this off season and and reading coverage and understanding coverage and and understanding where to go with the ball and getting it out quick. Uh, and throwing with 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 timing and and, and accuracy, um, but you know he, his development his his development has been very good. Mm-hmm. Um, we're really happy with where he's at. But you know, knowing next year that um, you know he again he's going to finish this year out, but then next year he he's got to um, take the next steps to you know to being a superstar in this league. Yeah, with G. Roy Simon, uh, Edmonton Elks assistant to GM, talking about uh, Trey Ford in particular here, uh, G. Roy. So we've seen him elevate his game this year. Um, you know, at times he's looked just unbelievable. When you uh, mentioned his uh, reading of coverage, where is he in that sense? of uh, what he has to take to his game and elevate it further forward? Well, I mean, again, you know, the the defenses in the CFL are very complex. Um, you know, there's 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 certain things that, that, you know, that happen on the field that, you know, are, are, are just naturally tough. And they only, they only, you know, you don't get, you only have success with, with, with time and, and, and understanding. And, and I think with Trey, you know, going through the off season, and, and understanding, um, you know, what the tre- what the defense is trying to do, uh, especially to him because you know he's a running quarterback, uh, or he has a co- he has the ability to run, um, you know that that'll give him that'll give to to really understand what mm-hmm. what teams are trying to do to him, um, you know it's 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 not easy 
<laughs> it's not easy, but um, you know this is what we're paid to do, and, and we expect Trey to you know take the, the proper steps forward to to help us be successful. Hey, G. Ray, what about Kevin Brown? I mean, the last couple of games you've been, I guess, playing from behind a few you know a few times, and I guess the game script dictates uh, you know running back usage because you kind of you know you're behind and you want to throw the ball a little bit more. What have you seen from Kevin this year um, moving forward? I mean, I think you want him to be your your number one running back, but what have you seen from Kevin Brown uh, in the last little bit. You know, Kevin's a great player, um, but again, he's a he's a young player that you know that uh, then that needs to take the ne- take the next step. You, you see flashes, and you see games where he can be uh, totally dominant and looks like the best running back in the league. But you know, there's other times where you know not not so much. So mm-hmm. again, it's 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 part of it's part of being a professional. You know, part of understanding, you know, what, you know, you know, what's happening in, in certain situations where sometimes, you know, instead of taking a loss, you, you know, you just you take your one yard and, and, and get out of there. Um, but, you know, there's there's it's it's a growing period. You know, he's he, along with a lot of other players on us on this team, have to have to understand situational football mm-hmm. and, and continue to, you know, get better at, at that. And because the ability is there. Now it's just understanding what's happening, what's happening in the game, and and what's what's you know what what situation we're in. Yeah, for sure. Uh, G. Roy Simons, our guest on Sports fourteen forty. Um, you know very well, G. Roy, that you can't build a, a CFL team without good Canadian content. Uh, if you were going to look at your roster right now, moving forward, and kind of uh, rate where your uh, Canadian talent is right now, um, how would you give it a, a rating? I think our Canadian talent is very good. I think our Canadian talent is very deep. We've, you know, we I think we drafted very well over the last two years, um, and you know, really set us up, set ourselves up to to be very competitive and very good for the next, you know, mm-hmm. seven to ten years. Um, you know, I I think you know it, this this period right now is a period of of growth. It's a period of you know playing a lot of young guys and getting those guys experience, but you can see the the growth from you know from game one to to, to now that you know our guys are really starting to, to st- really starting to pick it up and, and really starting to understand um, you know how the CFL and how the how the professional football is being played. Um, so we're we're looking forward to you know to seeing you know continued growth and and, and continued success. What have you seen from Noah Curtis this year? Kind of a, you know, that's a, a, a steal of a draft pick when you can grab a, a defensive lineman that, I mean, that would you say he kind of falls through the cracks? Like, you know, other teams maybe didn't know that he was available and eligible as a Canadian to be picked in the draft? Well, team, I think I'm, I'm pretty sure teams knew, but, you know, we did our due diligence and, and you know, we, you know, went to see him and, 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 and uh, put in the work to, to, uh, just to know everything about him, um, you know. I think Noah's gonna. I think he's really gonna flourish after this. You know, after this year, um, he's gonna have a full off season to, of, of understanding of, of um, you know, what he needs to do to get better. He needs to, you know, he needs to strengthen his body. He needs to, you know, really understand that, um, you know, eighteen games mm-hmm. um, is is a long is a long season. And I think, um, you know, having a full off season of of, of lifting and running and, and getting his body in, in, in great shape will be uh, will be very beneficial to, to Noah. You'll see him take a, a huge step next season. 
And what about uh, Michael Broderick? I mean, he was a high draft pick for you this year. Um, kind of floated around. Is I mean, is he best suited in the middle at linebacker? Where Where do you see him moving forward? Well, Michael's a big, strong guy. Again, you know, he's in his first year, and 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 like I stated before, um, you know, young Canadians, we don't really expect a ton out of them at, at at the beginning. But you know, with him being such a high draft pick, we we knew that he would he would uh, have the ability to play special teams. He's a big, strong, physical player. Um, he can play both middle and and will linebacker. Um, but right now, he's he's you know playing special teams, and he's doing a, he's doing a very good job. Um, you know, we look again. We look for him to take you know huge steps after a full off season of of, uh, of lifting and running and understanding. Um, so you know, Michael's a, a player that we have high hopes for moving forward. Uh, G. Roy Simons, our guest on Sports fourteen forty. Just a couple quick ones, uh, G. Roy. In the sense of um, what would you say to the Elks fan base? Um, kind of giving you the open mic here. It's been a trying season, uh, four and twelve. Uh, it was uh, you know the the, the start didn't uh, uh, it wasn't the start that you wanted. But uh, open mic to you just to kind of. I guess tell the the Elks fans that you know just hang with us and you know we're going to be back next year I guess and 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 make a bit of a run here. I mean, I I would just say to Elks fans, I mean, if you if you watch what we've done over the last you know seven eight games, um, you can see the growth of of our team and and see the work that's been put in. Um, you know, we're working myself and Chris and the, and the staff is working tirelessly. To, uh, to 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 give a and a championship product and, and and putting on the field, um, you know we have obviously we have an exciting player in Trey Ford, uh, we have an exciting mm-hmm. player in Geno Lewis and 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 Kevin Brown, um, so you know we're, we're you know we're going to continuously work and 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 continuously look for and and search for and and develop our talent uh, to to give um, the best opportunity to win championship football to play championship mm-hmm. football. Um, we're not going to settle for you know for you know for just a couple wins here and here or there, um, you know, and because that's not our mindset. That's not that's not how we're built. Um, you know, we 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 consider ourselves winners, and until we do that, we're, we're it's going to be tireless tireless work. Hey, G. Roy, thanks uh, for taking the time this morning. Good luck on Saturday against uh, Montreal and then the rest of the season. And, uh, you know, everyone wants uh, to get back to the the winning ways here. And I know you guys are putting in the effort and putting in the hours. And uh, we wish you all the very best moving forward. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right. That's uh, Edmonton Elks assistant GM, G. Roy Simon, elevating your game by Ram Elevators and Lifts, uh, manufacturing the safest elevators since 1987. TrustRam.com. Text comes in. Uh, G. Roy is pretty good. And I got to say, I love how he talks about another season of running and lifting to get these guys better. That's what it's all about. These guys are... Uh, auditioning might be the wrong word, but you want to try to kind of have a you know a, a strong finish here with two games. What it might do is tilt the the, the coach's eyes um, in the off season. Hey, you know this guy played hard. He played hard for us down the stretch. Uh, we'll see what happens Saturday uh, against Montreal. Two o'clock kickoff. Uh, before we hit the top of the hour and bring in our Wednesday co-host, David Schlemko, former NHLer from 9 to 11. Time now for a sports update brought to you by Cattail Crossing. Enjoy half-price golf Monday to Thursday. Elevate your game without emptying your wallet. Book your tee time today, cattailcrossing.ca. Here is the Duke.